But yeah, cool announcement. Wish there was more. Literally, wish there was more <laughs> about the wish. Welcome back, everybody, to a special bonus edition of the DCL Duo podcast. And this week, we wanted to take some time to cover the announcements regarding the Wish from this past weekend, and also just chat a little bit of Disney Plus. We want to talk about Soul, which released over the weekend and that we watched, and maybe a little Mandalorian as well. We've been watching since season one, so woohoo! A little Grogu. Yeah, and maybe if we have time, we'll dive into a non-Disney entertainment-related topic. But we'll see. We'll see how we're doing here at the end of the show. But with that, so at the wish announcement, I think I was expecting more. <laughs> I know, right? It was so short. Well, to set the stage, Disney announced maybe a few days in advance of their big Christmas spectacular, which aired on Christmas Day, that there would be some announcements about the wish. And so a lot of people were excited that they would get to learn a bit more about the ship. And when it came, it was a, like a 30 second promo spot. And what was revealed was that Cinderella will be the atrium character. And that is about it. We got a shot of artist renderings of the atrium on the ship. That's all we got. So I don't know, Sam, what did you think? I really liked Cinderella as the character. I thought that was a great pick. I feel like the wish looks very fantasy-like. When I say fantasy-like, I don't mean like the ship, the fantasy, but I mean more like a like fantasy land kind of when you think of the parks. And so the carpet and stuff that they showed on that atrium shot looked like very regal, royal, princessy. And so I really liked Cinderella. I also liked that she was kind of a bright gold instead of the bronze like the other characters that we um, have seen on the previous four ships. I know there's a little bit of controversy out there in the Twittersphere about the pedestal. So the fact that there wasn't a pedestal in that shot and the other characters, Ariel, Donald, uh, Mickey, and who's the fourth one? It's Mickey, Minnie, Mickey, Minnie, Ariel, oh, Donald. Oh, Minnie. Minnie's the one I was forgetting. Sorry. Yeah. Can anyway, you forget the, Admiral, the- Admiral Minnie. <laughs> well, so it's I know a, she's. A, I know she's. A, I know she's captain, but we're we're bucking for promotion for Minnie because she does all the work and Mickey gets all right. the credit. So. That's right. She's the woman behind the man, as always. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think there was controversy about the pedestal. I think there were a lot of people saying it's weird that there isn't a pedestal. I actually think it works well. It's like a life size statue in the atrium, and it really just sort of puts Cinderella, I think, front and center in a in a kind of fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to be cool not to have yeah. her on a pedestal. Now this is all artist drawing right at this point i i I would suspect they're getting fairly close to locking that like i I think look and feel are probably there meaning i don't think there's going to be a pedestal i don't think they're suddenly going to put one Mm -hmm. there and they've been waiting this long to show you what it's going to look like but it kind of works right now i'm actually looking at a picture of all four of the ship characters on our facebook page one of our listeners kaylee posted this picture because she collects the models and i was noticing that ariel is sitting on the pedestal pedestal. And so she's the only like full size person, right? But she's sitting on a pedestal because she's got her fins in this pose. And then the other characters are standing on pedestals, but they're all Fab Five characters. So they're not human, they're animal characters. So to me, it doesn't seem that weird for Cinderella to be standing on her two feet and not on a pedestal is sort of the point I was making. Yeah, except that. So I had, that was my same reaction. And then I thought about it more because we've been watching a lot of Disney Plus recently and some stuff at the parks. And then I thought about the characters on the show. They're all presented as life-size. 
No, I know that. I know that. So, so yeah, the, the, so the Fab Five characters, when you meet them in person, they're all five to six feet tall. So I tend to agree from an animation standpoint, those characters, I don't think present as five to six feet tall in the animation. And so mm-hmm. like, I think it's sort of right to say like they would be smaller in size than Cinderella. So I don't know. I mean, I thought one... Great to see Cinderella too. That lobby looks gorgeous or the oh atrium or whatever they're going to end up calling it looks gorgeous. I saw some great still photos that people captured that really show off on the balconies, just lots of little hints of color and design choice that I think are really, really cool. Clearly kind of a different direction than I think like the art deco look necessarily of the fantasy. Like it's it's much more, I think, whimsical in design. Maybe it is art deco. I'm not a designer, so someone out there can correct me if I'm wrong. But, but it, I love the little, t- you'll notice these little circular pops of color along the balconies. I think the other thing is this, you know, showing the stairway going all the way up top. That hasn't happened before that you could walk all the way from the for, you know, the first floor of the atrium all the way to the, you know, second level balcony, you'd have to take an elevator before. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Right. On, on the fantasy, that's decks three and four. You go from the steps from deck three and on the dream from deck three, you can walk up to deck four on that grand staircase. But on this one, it looks like it could be between, well, who knows what decks they are, but if it's well, the let's same, assume deck, let's assume let's deck, assume three, deck five. three, right? Yeah. Then it would yeah. go right. It's like the like the balcony and the atrium and the dream and the fantasy. You have sort of the overhang, the the railing up on five, but you don't have that staircase access. So it looks like it stops on both levels. So that's cool. yeah. And I think it's a safe bet that it's going to be deck three because I think they'd have to re-engineer Port Canaveral in order to board oh, you yeah. on deck two or, or four. Dying, so, right. Assuming that's where you board. Yeah. Yeah. So I think three to five. I mean, you board today into the atrium. I hope they're not going to change that because that's kind of a cool way to board a ship. I think other cruise ships, you kind of board into a nondescript area and have to walk through. So I'm hoping they still have you board into the atrium area. Mm-hmm. The other thing that caught some folks' attention is sort of in the background of Cinderella, there's like a curio kind of display case and some folks were making some comparisons to the shadowy outlines in that display case and Moana. Uh, and so if there are Moana figures in there, I think what you're seeing pretty quickly develop is kind of like a princess themed ship, which would be. Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah, which would be really cool to see. So really looking forward to seeing kind of more art. But now we know we've got Rapunzel off the back, Cinderella in the atrium, maybe some hints of Moana throughout. It's really speaking to kind of this like princess kind of theme throughout the ship, I think. So mm-hmm. that would be really cool to see if they do that. But yeah, cool announcement. Wish there was more. Literally wish there was more (laughs) about the wish. They did say summer 2022. So they're holding to that date. I've seen some folks say, oh, that won't hold. I don't know. I don't think Disney would say it twice if it wasn't true. They've already bumped it once. I know, but I don't Mm -hmm. think they would give you a new date if they weren't intending to hit it. And so if that's the case, you know, itineraries for these ships usually come out about 18 months in advance for the ships that are out there. And so hopefully we'll be seeing the wish sometime soon, maybe spring or summer of this year. That gives them about a year. Hopefully we'll be seeing those itineraries soon and then we'll start to get a sense of what the sailings are going to look like for the Wish. So Yeah. I will say one thing I was a little surprised at was I feel like there was some concept art for the Wish earlier that showed Belle walking down the stairs. And so I was a little surprised that Belle wasn't the character in the atrium. Just assuming that that concept art was going to be more true to the actual design. But it's really cool. Either way, I love Belle. I love Cinderella as well. 
Yeah. Well, it'll be cool as we get more information. So Sam and I are desperately trying to get on to the, what they call it, not the, not the inaugural voyages, because those are the entire year the ship is out, usually, you know, some big portion of it, but the actual maiden voyage. So we're going to do our best to finagle our way onto a maiden voyage. Sam, it may be your opportunity to stay in an inside cabin. Uh, no, no, so. I do. I want to stay in one of those porthole rule rooms. Yeah, we'll we see. Well, we don't know. We don't know if they're going to oh, have I the magic I've, porthole. Yeah. You know, I yeah. didn't even think about that. That'll be interesting to see. I, I'm going to guess they're going to, because those are on the newer ships and didn't they add them onto one of the two older ships I feel like when they did one of the one of the dry docks years ago I would guess they're going to do something. We just don't know what. Yeah, right? that's I mean, true. We don't it know if it's going to be a magic porthole or if it could be, I mean, like at Disneyland, right? They have those cool headboards in the room that light up and play mm-hmm. music. So, like you just don't know, right? Yeah. So so it will be cool to see what they do. Um, but yeah, we're going to try and get on that maiden voyage. And if it's a short one, <laughs> we'll do a back-to-back <laughs> so we can explore more of the ship. That's my goal. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> now we got to book two cruises on the Wish when it first comes out. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be, that'll be an easy task, right? Sure. <laughs> well, with that, let's shift gears. And we've been watching a lot of Disney Plus over the break, we caught up on The Mandalorian and we also watched Soul when it came out on yeah. uh, Christmas Day. A lot of you responding to a, t- a tweet I made about who had watched Soul and lots of positive feedback about the movie that I saw. Let's start with Soul, Sam. What did you think? What did you think of Soul? Okay, I really liked it. I would say, well, I wouldn't put it like as my, you know, number one Pixar or Disney movie. I would definitely say it was very good. Kind of reminded me of Inside Out. And I really liked the themes of the movie. Spoiler alert, it does involve death and afterlife. And so these are some, call them adult themes, I guess, for us. I think it was just fine for our seven-year-old kid who, because we've talked about death and afterlife and have conversations about the different belief systems that different people have. And he has decided, our seven-year-old has decided he believes in reincarnation which is totally cool with me. But anyway, I just just a little bit of a warning for those with younger kids who maybe don't want to talk about that subject right at this moment. So that's one of the the only warning I would give, but I, I really liked the movie. What did you think? I like it. I felt like it had a very inside out kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. I thought the music was fantastic. Yeah. The storyline was a little weird to follow at times. And I don't mm-hmm. know for me if that was the difference in the animation styles between kind of the quote unquote real world and the soul world or not like it just I, I don't know it was it was a little weird to follow I agree it was a good movie it was a solid movie Pixar I think always puts out good movies like I haven't seen I don't think a Pixar film that I haven't enjoyed mm-hmm. but for me this one wouldn't be up there with like you know it's not up there with Wally. For instance, mm. I think Wally. Some people disagree with this, but I think Wally is actually a shining example of what Pixar can do. I mean, there's like no, almost no dialogue in that movie. It's all told through animated expression mm-hmm. of robots and and music. Yeah, well, and and it's no Toy Story. Let's put it like if other. I feel like Toy Story is universally like loved by people. I would say it's not the Toy Story movie or sequels that probably everybody loves, but it, I think it's a wonderful movie. I thought, I thought it was a good movie. I thought the music was really good. The John Baptiste kind of music that was in it was really good. And I think Jamie Foxx did a great job. It was I didn't realize it was Tina Fey playing 22 mm-hmm. until until the credits rolled. There are some other names in there that I just, I their voices did not register with 
with me, but when oh, I yeah. see their photos, I was like, oh yeah, I know who that is. Um, yeah, Denise so- Diggs, who is from Hamilton, who plays Thomas Jefferson in the show, or in the original uh, cast and in the, the movie version playing on uh, Disney Plus. But he was amazing. Questlove is in it. Felicia Rashad, Mrs. the Mrs. Cosby is also one of the actors in it. So yeah, really great star-studded cast. I totally, totally think. And it's also really nice to see Disney do an, another animated film with black characters. So I thought that was that was great too. Representation matters and it was really well done. Yeah. So I would say it's definitely worth a watch. It's free on Disney Plus right now. Well, no, it's not free. It's included with your <laughs> Disney Plus subscription currently, which I still think is a steal. Thankfully, we got in on the D23 offering and so we've paid out three years of it. So we, we won't experience the whole whopping $1 price increase that they're coming <laughs> out with, which I gotta say for the amount of content that Disney is pushing through Disney Plus, first run movies, a whole slew of new Marvel and I think Star Wars mm-hmm. TV series that they're going to put out. I mean, and all their specials, yeah. all the I mean, even like the Christmas special, if you missed it, you can watch it still on Disney Plus. They also had like Full Court Miracle. So I actually want to give a, a shout out for this. This was made back apparently in like 2003 and it's a Disney Channel original movie and it is a basketball slash Hanukkah movie. And our kiddo and I first watched it and then her kiddo made Brian watch it and then he made our nanny watch it. <laughs> anyway, it was actually a really cute, it was a really cute Hanukkah movie. It's a live action. It was a Disney Channel movie, but it's it's now on Disney+. Plus. Well, let's talk our other favorite show on Disney Plus, which is Mando. Yes, <laughs> the child. Season two of The Mandalorian. So if you haven't seen it yet, spoilers are coming here. So, you know, <laughs> feel free to skip ahead about 10 minutes and you might hear a discussion of another movie that we watched this weekend. But we did catch up on season two of The Mandalorian. I know lots of people watched it in real time. and There's already lots of information out there about it. So not going to go point by point, episode by episode by any means. We always like to wait until the show is bingeable and then we watch it. And I think mm-hmm. we knocked it out in a day because the episodes were so short. I, I didn't realize the, the, the episodes were variable length. I thought that mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. I'd forgotten that. But watch The Mandalorian. I'll just say a few things that stood out for me. One, lots of great cameos and bringing back some of the characters from season one. I do mm-hmm. wish there were a few characters that they would just like continue in the show long term. Yeah, I was a little choppy because of the way they go back and forth from from like world to world. Yeah, you planet hops everywhere and then like they use that as a cameo opportunity and it's cool. And, you know, it is supposed to be kind of this like Western feel. And so I get that. Like these are supposed to be sitcom kind of self-contained episodes. So so I get it. But it would be nice if the I feel like it'd be nice if the Mandalorian had a sidekick, you know, and I'm not talking the child here, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like someone who's with him or, you know, helping him, partnering with him. So we got um I forget the actress's name, but Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica makes an appearance in a couple of episodes. And I immediately wanted to have a spin-off with her because she was awesome in Battlestar Galactica. And I think there's potential there for character uh spin-off with her and her, you know, efforts to retake mm-hmm. Uh, Mandalore and, and you know, ascend to the throne. We got a cameo or a, an episode long appearance from Timothy Oliphant, who plays Raylan Givens in the TV show Justify that was on FX forever ago, which I really like. And he's basically reprising his role <laughs> <laughs> as a marshal yeah. in space, you know. And But I, I also thought like, man, that would be a cool show to see and, and way more in the sort of direct Western vein because he's actually playing like this town marshal uh, in the show. 
shows. So I would love to see him make more appearances. I thought mm-hmm. he was fantastic in the show. I love him as, as an actor. I think he's just really great. So lots of those little cameo appearances appearances that I would love to see sort of turned into longer term characters. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, spoiler, big spoiler alert, big spoiler alert here. So I thought it was really cool at the end when they brought Luke back to take baby Yoda or the child or Grogu, as he is now called. Grogu is his name. Grogu off for training. But it leaves a it leaves a Grogu sized hole in my heart because what is going to yeah. happen with, with the child in season three? So I didn't love this season the way that I loved the first season. I thought there was a little too much planet hopping. I don't know. It just felt a little choppy from episode to episode. I liked Rosario Dawson as one of the characters. She was great. I really liked some of the other cameos like Timothy Oliphant as well. I didn't so much like Grogu, the child eating the babies (laughs) of the the tadpole or whatever you want to call them. But there's like these lizard babies. I guess they're unfertilized eggs at that point. So they're basically like eggs, like chicken eggs. But I don't know. I just I didn't like that. And I, well, I'm going to also people are probably going to hate me for this, but I did not love Luke, the CGI Luke. I love I love uh, it. Yeah. So I love that they I well, no, it's not that they didn't bring. I like that they brought the character. I like that. I actually don't mind that Grogu went with Luke, but I don't I felt like the movements, the mouth movements didn't sync well with the voice and the CGI just didn't look quite real enough for me. And I know they have to do that because obviously Mark Hamill is old and doesn't look like he did when he was Luke in the first movie. But I don't know. I just it didn't the CGI just didn't quite work for me. So I like the storyline part. I just didn't love the CGI. I'm going to get all kinds of Twitter hate, I bet. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think people are praising like I think several people are like, just give Jon Favreau the reins of the entire franchise now. Oh, yeah. I mean, because the. Yeah. The, the concern with the hardcore fans about the movies that came out was you're never going to be able to bridge the modern era of Star right. Wars with the classic era of Star Wars in a way that appeases both sides of the, the fandom. And I think Jon Favreau just did it. I think he nailed it when he brought Luke in to the series to train up Grogu. Right? Yeah, no, now, I, to- I totally agree leaves, with you. Yeah, I think the series leaves a lot of questions open mm-hmm. at the end. And there's an after credits scene that opens up even more questions. So the mm-hmm. questions that I had by the end of the series, like one, what's going on with the throne of Mandalore? Because they never really resolved this like dark sword thing having to be taken from the mm-hmm. Mandalorian in order for his compatriot, who was played by Starbuck, um, to, t- to ascend to the throne to Mandalore. So mm-hmm. that's an open question, which I could see the entirety of the next season kind of revolving around them going to take back Mandalore, right? Um, which yeah. would dash my hopes of a, a complete spinoff show, or maybe not. Maybe it sets it up for that. What, so where does Grogu fall into the canon? Because yeah. he's not Yoda, he's Grogu, and Luke is training him, but we never see him again in the movies, right? Yeah. So like, there's no Grogu anywhere in the canon. So that has me a little worried about what's the fate of Grogu in all of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and will we see him again at this point? Because oh. they're going to have to do more CGIing if they bring him back, I think, because Luke's going to have to drop him off or they're going to have to show training scenes with him and Luke, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, are they going to do that? And then the after credit scene was the uh, Boba Fett, which we didn't even talk about. Bring back Boba Fett was mm-hmm. genius. That was genius yeah. to bring back Boba Fett. But Boba Fett t- ascending to what was Jabba's throne and was taken over by his henchman, whose name I've never really known nor cared to know. Mm-hmm. 
So he's taken over like Jabba's territory now. And what does that mean? And there's a ton of speculation that the third season could revolve around Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. And that is not going to be exciting to me. Like it was cool to see Boba Fett come back, but I want to know what's happening to the Mandalorian and I want to know what's happening to Grogu. Well, and I think it's a spinoff show. That's how I looked at it. Yeah. It was supposed to be a, so yes, it was supposed, there's supposed to be a spinoff with Boba Fett, but now there's all this speculation that like Mandalorian should have started filming uh, Mm. in such and such a time. It was due to release in December of 2021 for the next season. Mm -hmm. And, but now they're saying that this Boba Fett spinoff is going to release in December of 2021. It's mm-hmm. hard to imagine they'll release both at the same time. So does that mean that Mandalorian is getting pushed up? Probably not. Is it getting delayed? Who knows? Or is this just going to become season three? Yeah, right? interesting. And so yeah. I'm not super excited to have a Boba Fett season three. I think there's there's still too much to do with the Mandalorian for that. And I think it takes out like the character that everyone kind of really likes in the show is the Mandalorian and Grogu. And so... yeah. It's also sort of like what happens now because you're breaking up the partnership. It's like it's like taking two cop buddy partners and splitting them up and then having one cop buddy continue the show and the other one doing Lord knows what. Like it's not that relationship between the two of them was so central to the show, Grogu and the Mandalorian. That's what yeah. are they going to do now? So, yeah. so, you know what I also really liked? The actress who plays Boba Fett's like henchman or henchwoman. She is from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's May in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I can't rem- I don't remember her her real life name, but I really liked her. I just want to be clear when about my criticisms of The Mandalorian. I still thought it was great. I just liked season one better and didn't love the, the CGI. I thought and didn't love the choppiness. And that's sort of why I liked the first season better. But I still thought it was a great show. And I'm, I'm definitely tuning in for season three. And I agree with you and others who are saying, you know, give Jon Favreau the reins of, of Star Wars and he can really bridge the gap between these, you know, two two groups, the the newer fans and the older fans. So well, let's do let's do just one sort of quick take, which is not Disney related. We did watch Wonder Woman 84, WW84 this weekend, uh, which is poised to have the box office takeover for the weekend. So oh, is that um, right? Mm. Yes. So it's it's poised to be the leader in the box office this weekend, which I am surprised by, which might sort of forecast my own thoughts around that movie. Mm-hmm. But Sam, what did you think of Wonder Woman 84? I have one word that perfectly describes Wonder Woman 84. Meh. Now, this was not a terrible movie. So I just want to be clear. I did not hate this movie. It was not terrible. It was not truly bad, but I just thought it was kind of meh. It wasn't great. I wouldn't even call it good. It was okay. I'm going to give some spoiler alerts as well. I think they focus too much on Diana and Steve in this movie. And what would have been more interesting was if they focused more on Diana and Barbara. So there was like a budding friendship with this other um, woman at the museum, this character, Barbara. And another spoiler, Barbara ends up kind of turning into a villain at one point of the movie. Uh, yeah, but we, should I, say, we should say spoilers all over oh, the place here. This is a new, yes. new, new release movie. So yeah. yeah. But I I just thought that it would have been a more interesting movie for that. You and I have also talked about how we both think the pacing was off on this movie. There were some scenes that were too short, the other scenes that were way too long. There's this one flying scene that just went on and on forever. And nothing was happening. And it was like, why are we seeing her fly for like 10 minutes? <laughs> anyway, so I just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think the movie was great. I thought it was a good concept and good idea with this artifact thing. Yeah, I just don't think it was that well 
well executed. I love Gal Gadot. I loved Kristen Wiig. I thought the actors in it were really good. I just thought the script wasn't great. Yeah, just kind of meh. What do you think, Bri? Yeah, so I give it, I give, definitely give it two mehs up. Um, and I think it, for me, it, it lacked kind of a couple things. One is it lacked that ability to poke fun at itself that the Marvel mm. movies have that just sort of irreverent. This is hokey and we know it, and it, but it's part of the superhero universe. And so bear with us, but we all find it hilarious too, right? I mean, or just that it's funny to begin with, like the, the that's America's ass, right? I mean, like that, mm-hmm. that, that is, you know, the kind of humor that you get, like these high packed action films with just the right amount of humor to acknowledge this is like totally unrealistic, but we're doing it anyway. Or also those moments where the big thing happens, it's going to be important to to that comic book fan and there's a build up to it and just a just a great cinematic moment so think of when captain america finally gets to wield thor's hammer mm. right and they built that up across multiple movies too like there was the scene i don't know if it was in the same movie or a different movie there's this there's the scene where they're all sitting in tony stark's apartment like celebrating their latest win i think it's the one where they get vision for the first time and they're all sitting around and thor's hammer's there and everyone's like can i take a try and they're all trying to tug on it and it's not until captain america walks up and puts his hand around it they pan to thor mm-hmm. and he looks nervous captain america pulls the hammer and actually like ever so slightly moves and thor is oh like you know they didn't have that and they had moments in this movie where that happened spoiler alert her invisible plane comes back how do they mm-hmm. not sort of build that moment up a little bit right mm-hmm. like you know it just felt sort of like this random kind of throwaway moment it also felt almost like a like it was a movie set in 1984 that was almost filmed in the style of a 1984 movie if that makes sense like it just mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to put it any other way than that where it's like those 1980 those 1980s movies like if you've ever watched ready player one it kind of has those aspects of it where it, the whole movie is set in the future but it's about a guy who loves the 1980s and 1980s culture and movies one scene that stands out is at the end, you know, they're putting the, these two characters in the cop car and like you would in 1984, you have this like funny little musical overlay and mm-hmm. one character bonks the other one in the nose and just looks like a scene you would have seen in like a John Hughes film, not John Hughes, but like a 1984 style movie. And so that's the whole movie kind of felt like that. It almost felt like it was embracing 1984, both as like a plot line, but also as like a, a, a movie vehicle or a filming style. But what came from that was just, it was, it, it just wasn't very good uh, overall mm-hmm. like i just didn't think it, it meshed together well i think what they could have done much like the marvel movies captain marvel great soundtrack overlaid to an action film like mm-hmm. pulling from those like 90s era bands mm-hmm. and female bands to like sort of put that that spin on it. this is a movie about you know powerful women powerful 90s music by powerful women right like that was a great overlay to that movie i think this movie could have had some poking fun at 1984 and it tried to mm-hmm. at a couple of points but it kind of landed flat and i was like where's the sound like where's the 80s music that would have mm-hmm. been awesome and there's some of it but not nearly enough so so i want to add one thing which that i thought was interesting which is i wonder though if they purposely picked 1984 as a nod to the George Orwell book, 1984, with like a, you know, a dystopian future book. So anyway, just a thought. If so, it would have been nice to have some kind of nod to the book in the film and to have it relate back just because they picked 1984 of all years. They could have picked any year in the 80s if they really wanted just an 80s backdrop for the costuming and all of that. The mall scene, that was actually one scene I, I thought was great, which was 
right at the beginning of the movie, there's this great mall scene that really did remind me of being in a mall back in the 80s or the early 90s. So anyway, I just thought there was some opportunity, some missed opportunity. I think you're right with the music. There's a missed opportunity to have some kind of nod to the George Orwell book. Yeah, just not, just did not wow me for the kind of blockbuster that this was sort of advertised as. And it's sort of the big Christmas film. I know we're in a pandemic, but do our movies have to be pandemic movies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're running way over time for a bonus episode, so we'll wrap it up here. So I say I hope everyone has a wonderful new year. We're releasing this on Monday of the week of January 1st for the New Year's holiday. We will be releasing an episode on Thursday, New Year's Eve this week. I'm going to bill it as a bit of a retrospective or how did we get here kind of episode, and I will just tease out that we are going to have a woman named Christine on the show who Paul Thornton profiled in his book, Cruising Interrupted. And if you listened to our show with Paul, we opened with kind of an encapsulation of her story when Paul said that he had interviewed this woman who was 72 years old, had half of a lung and caught COVID on a cruise ship and couldn't wait to go back. And so we are going to bring you Christine's story. And I'll give you one more spoiler. Next week's bonus episode, we're going to pair up with our main episode this week. And we are going to bring you the story of a woman who recently sailed on the quantum of the seas out of Singapore. Uh, You may know that that's the ship that went out on a cruise to nowhere. It was supposed to be a four-day cruise to nowhere got turned around because there was a passenger on board who tested positive for COVID. Turned out that that was a negative test or was a false positive. But we wanted to chat with her about her experience on the quantum of the seas, the protocols she was seeing, and whether she thought those protocols worked as they were intended to work on her sailing and how she felt about it. So we're going to start off our little two-part series here with Christine's story. She was on one of the last ships to sail and dock pre-COVID. And then we are going to fast forward to today where ships are sailing in Asia and hear what that experience is like. So a little bit of hope there at the end, but we thought Christine's story would be interesting for everyone to hear. And so we're looking forward to giving that to you this Thursday. So with that, have a wonderful new year. Happy new year. Well, I hope you enjoyed our quick tick there on some Disney entertainment topics and the wish announcement from this past week. As I said at the beginning of the show, I really wish we knew a bit more about what was going on with the wish, but more information is likely going to come out in drips and drabs over the next several months, I think, leading up to hopefully some itinerary announcements, which would be fantastic to see. So looking forward to learning more about that ship as it becomes available. If you love some of our takes on the Disney Plus shows we watch and the movies we've, we've been watching, let us know. Head over to the DCL Duo Vlog and Podcast group and hit join. We'd love to have you in there and we solicit show topics and ideas and also take feedback on the show through that group. And it's also a great place to meet some like-minded Disney Cruise Line fans. So head over there and join. We'd love to have you in that group. So with that, thanks as always for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are helpful in making the podcast more visible to people who might be looking for our content. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on this show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.